0: you ever feel. are you listening Damn. hello i'm sean brewster and thank you for joining us on cea audio this is where you'll catch our q a show past episodes of cea tv our youtube show keynote speeches and a host of other things thanks for being here guys and i hope you enjoy C-A-T-B. I'm here today with Corin- Colin Varacali, I almost got your name wrong there, Colin Varacali. Yeah, close. Uh, here in Maylands in Adelaide. That's it. Correct. Right. We are at Recoverite, which is your clinic slash recovery lab, yep. I guess. This spaceship in the background is your flotation tank. No one's in there at the moment, but that's where people go and hang out and have a float and bliss out for a bit. Yep. Um, I was lucky enough to be involved with you in the genesis of this place when you first kicked off the idea and you we met a little over a year ago now, I guess when you came over to Melbourne to do one of my business courses. We started chatting and then I gave you a little bit of advice on a few things. And I was really impressed with you at the time because you came to me obviously at a time when you were thinking about doing something different with your career and your business and looking to expand and build something for yourself. Obviously that was the timing. Um, And I get a lot of those conversations with people. People have big eyes and big ideas and I try to give them my thoughts and ideas at the time but very rarely does somebody act on it so fast. And you were, I remember having a conversation with you and you were saying something like, I've got this idea for a recovery center and blah, blah. I said, I've got a friend that's got one of those. I gave you some ideas. And I think the next time we chatted, which was two weeks later, you'd found the property, you got a bank loan, you're buying equipment. I'm like, geez, this guy's moving faster than I could even think even keep up with. So um, I was really impressed with the speed and I love that. I love that in business, being able to move quickly and you're obviously ready to go at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So tell everybody a little bit about um, where you started and now obviously we're in your flotation room at the moment, but there's a lot more to this place. You've got a gym, you've got a couple of treatment rooms, you've got a sauna room. Yeah. Tell us how you started as a therapist and then maybe just the, the, the story up to this point.
1: Okay, so as a massage therapist, I started studying part time back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, Okay. and it was a part out of an interest and part out of a suggestion from a family member. I'd, I'd, I'd always had um, uh, massage yeah. as a treatment when I was younger, playing sport and coming from a farming background, I always had some sort of uh, muscle soreness. So, mm-hmm. and I found massage to be one of those treatments that helped. So, over a period of time, probably. From the age of eighteen to forty, I would have probably averaged one plus, one to two massages a week in, really? the, in that time. Okay, because um, that's unusual. Yep. For someone to be that dedicated
0: as a receiver yep. of
1: massage for that long. So f- found that it relieved um, the the problems that I had with my back. So yep. uh, eventually ended up having a um, a microdisectomy on a on a uh, part of my disc that uh, uh, removed and, and floated around in the spine And then, so through the rehab phase, just started doing other things, and you know, Pilates, yoga, and massage was always my sort of go to um, recovery modality. Mm -hmm. And and just through conversations, it was uh, with family members as when they were injured, as to who they were seeing and what they were doing and how they were recovering. And I'm like, well, this is what um, my therapists or Mm -hmm. the people that I see do to me when I have that sort of injury. And they were always interested into what worked for me, and so out of that, it was like, well, you should consider studying massage. And mm-hmm. I always had, I never found any um, college that um, could accommodate me because I was working at the time. But then I looked further into it and found that uh, the Natural Health Academy uh, here in Adelaide had a, a part-time option. Uh, option. Right. Yep. So I started studying it with uh, no intention of making it a career, more of a uh, an additional income or a hobby. yep And then um, took me uh, nearly four years part-time to complete it and then towards the end of my uh, four years I was made redundant in a position and um, was towards the end of the year and I thought oh well if I'll give this massage caper a go Mm -hmm. and applied for a couple of jobs uh, both within the massage industry and and uh, in the field that I was working in recruitment and had a job lined up in recruitment but wasn't going to start for about four months okay and so I started massaging and loved it and then just went from strength to strength uh, started working at a couple of physio clinics a couple of chiropractic clinics and then um, the key piece of advice I was given while I was studying I said was continue my education and Mm -hmm. um, if I could get a tertiary education so I applied to go to uh, uh, Started uh, in 2012 my um, Bachelor of Human Movement. And, right. And again, not as a, um, to complete it, but just to, well, not not to complete it in a hurry, but just as a part time thing, and then mm-hmm. found that I loved it and then continued to do that. So,
0: so you've had a really slow burn really into this, haven't you? It's been yeah. a, a gradual, you haven't dived in, done all your training, and then gone out to work. No. So even when I, was, when I was
1: studying, I was uh, working full-time and studying part-time massage and was um, not doing a lot of massage apart from the clinic. Mm-hmm. A few family and friends, but not not a lot. And then um, once I sort of decided to commit to it, I went to uni and then through the uni, I got a, a job at one of the local footy clubs okay. and then that um, took off. And so at, in 2012, I was Studying full-time, working full-time as a massage therapist, dividing my time between local football club and a couple of uh, physio-chiropractic clinics. Yep. And then from there it was um, uh, an increase. I right. went to uh, Port Adelaide Footy Club and then Cycling in Australia and now Adelaide United and mm. here I am today.
0: You've had some gigs in some pretty big-name sporting organisations. Um, and while you've been in the industry for a little over 10 years, a big chunk of that was as a student. Yep. So as a qualified massage therapist, or yep. remedial therapist, when did that happen?
1: So I finished uh, my qualification at the end of 2011. All right. so 2018, work, so seven years. Started working in 2012. Yep. Um, and at that point, it was pretty much part-time working between three or four different locations. Yep. majority of it was with the West Adelaide Footy
0: Club. Yeah. Um, and was studying full-time as a uni student. I always find that I always ask the same question with everybody, but because I'm so interested in the story, like the, the trajectory of everybody in their career, it fascinates me because so many people will come from a background of something completely different. For you it was recruitment, Yep. nothing to do with the massage or health industry, Yep. and you would have been in a salaried position, working in a larger organization within a lot of other people. You, had a, a, you were a small cog in a big machine. You go out of that, you start your own business in multiple different clinics, you're doing a lot of, a lot of fingers, a lot of pies. Suddenly you're organizing your entire world and your entire world is you. Was that a big challenge in mindset, uh, or kind of how was that for you going in? No, because it was probably again? the it
1: was probably the goal in eventually. So it was. I thought when I when I qualified as a massage therapist, I thought, well, I'll, I'll possibly do what everybody else does and start working from home and just build up a clientele from there and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And um, the good and the bad thing, I was made redundant, so I had a little bit of uh, money saved yep. and was. Had a job lined up and never gave much thought than sort of four or five months down the track, thinking that okay well in, in, in that meantime I'll do what I can to build a up safety my, net. Build, yeah build up my build up my clientele and um, see where it goes and got to a point where it was um, still able to feed the kids and do all that kind of stuff, pretty mm. lucky, and then um, just continued down that path. It's, it's been an up and down
0: roller coaster ride but mm. it's, it's an interesting one. The other thing that comes out of your story that I find interesting too is a lot of people will be very fearful of going to what you went to. You were lucky in that you had a redundancy and a job lined up, so the pressure was off, yep. which is unusual because normally when the pressure's on, we work harder, but you managed to make it work regardless. And then you also had wife, children, yep. probably mortgage, probably all these other things going on in the background. Well, so, that, that was, the, that was the, the incentive, I suppose. It was that I didn't want to waste that
1: time and money. Right. So I thought, well, if I can get to a point quickly that I'm paying my, paying my own way, yep. uh, one of two things is gonna happen, either I've got the choice that I
0: can continue or it's gonna fail and i go back to what I've been doing. Did you feel part of the motivation was, I have to prove this to my family? Possibly, yeah, it was, it
1: was a big Because they're watching and if this doesn't work. Uh,
0: family and friends are like, eh. from going from a farming
1: background to a recruiting job and then uh, working on labour hire sites to then massaging, Mm. It's like, who is this bloke and where's he come from? And yep. I'm like, well, it's always been a, an interest of mine. Yeah. You know, the body fitness mm. and pain relief. So it was, yeah, it was a bit of a, oh, I've spent the time studying mm. or make sure
0: it works now. Got to make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I always find that the story of everybody, how they get to where they get is, is fascinating. Everyone's got a different story. There's often some similar things, but yours is a, so you started in the, in, the, in the, I guess, what age did, did you get into massage? When did you start? When you first qualified, you were how old? Uh, 2011, so 42. So sorry. you qualified at 42. Yeah. Which is a tough age for someone to change their career completely. And that's why it was always,
1: when I started studying, it was almost like a, um, a hobby interest that it was only ever going to be because yep. one of the other pieces of advice I got from a... Uh, lecturer was that you're old and <laughs> you, it's, you can't do this forever, right? Um, she said. She goes, "There's there's people in here that are 20 and 30, and they've got a younger body. Mm. So you're going to have to do a lot of things um, right mm. and learn different techniques because uh, your body's going to break down if you try and be the hardest, deepest tissue uh, massage therapist. So learn other techniques and learn to use your body correctly. Be multifaceted. Yeah. So yeah. She um, steered me in the direction of some other uh, softer modalities to to learn, mm-hmm. um, which was great, and still use some of them today. Um, still, you know, deep tissue massage and sports massage is predominantly what I do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's not the best solution for the person that's on the
0: table. So, yeah. um, instead set of options. Beating them into submission, I try and soften them gently. Yeah. yeah right. And this place you've got here, so we've got obviously in the flotation room at the moment, as you can see the video as opposed to listening on the audio, it's just, uh, you've got a a separate space, it's kind of like a wet room, it's got a shower off to the side, you've got this flotation tank, which is an impressive piece of equipment. The next room over, you've got a, a sauna, infra, yep. a far infrared sauna. Yeah, infrared sauna. Yep. That's right. And the next room over beyond that is quite a large for for the size of the space. Quite a large gym area set up for an exercise physiology type yeah. approach to training. Yeah, so there's a lot of equipment of, in there.
1: Got a couple of different pieces of equipment in there. Um, do some PT sessions in there, and I have an exercise physiologist that comes in and, mm. and trains some kids with some learning difficulties and disabilities. So it's got. Yep. A, um, it's a quiet space for them and it's got some
0: interesting pieces of gadgets to, yeah. to train different athletes. Absolutely. That's no, a great setup. And then a couple of treatment rooms and you're subletting one of those out. and Yeah, no, it's a really good space. And the other interesting thing that you've done here, which I'm a big fan of too, is you've taken a space that is kind of hidden away. It's down a side street, sort of, little laneway, driveway at the back. And most people would look at it from the outside and I've interviewed a bunch of people now who have a similar situation, which I think is great. They've taken a... a, a a, a rental property or a lease on a property, where you at first glance go, that's probably not going to work, and it works because they come for the service, not the location. And we were talking about this yep. off camera before. You've got clients yep. that come and see you because of what you do, not because of the environment no, that you're in. I'm,
1: I'm probably been lucky that I've been able to work and learn from some really good um, physios and other therapists, and having worked with elite sportsmen and women, they. They don't care what the surrounds look like. They don't care about the fluff. They, they want the result. They want the result. Yep. So, when I before I uh, rented this space, I was working in some gym areas that were literally the storeroom cupboard and they were still coming and still coming repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And, and now that I've got a, an area that um, one guy said, you've got a shower, that's great. You've got electricity that you can put an electric blanket on the table, that's fantastic. You've got air conditioning. Um, so they're not, majority of my clientele and hopefully always will be people that want results mm. um, I have some clientele that come in that are, um, you know want the relaxation type, type massage they've got stressful jobs um, they're 10 to 15 percent of my clientele
0: yeah and you, you've really built the place for the sporting person yeah. for the athlete and for them to recover and this is something we first chatted about when you were setting the place up was you wanted to build something that th- there wasn't a lot of there's not a lot of recovery centres around full stop, and in Adelaide, very few, if maybe any of them. There, there's, there's, there's a few, there's a few do, and there's other businesses with float tanks, other
1: businesses with. Um, uh, but as a, concept, as a concept facility, it's sort of yeah. a relatively new thing. Yeah, so they're probably a bit more commercial and try and get as many people in through the door. I sort of cater to the sporting groups that I work with, so. Um, sell them the benefit of using both the sauna and the float tank and in combination with massage. Mm-hmm. And so... And what do you see the benefit of the float tank is for someone, from an athlete, what is it for them? Centric depredation. They come in here and they can literally switch off um, in this in this day and age when we're connected to communication, Facebook and everything, and we're literally plugged in 24-7, yep. the chance to uh, turn off yep. is, is unbelievable. And as a therapist, when I get someone that's... Um, hypersensitive from training and they've had a float mm. and they get on the table and they literally, well, you know, pretty much go to sleep and I'm able to do my thing with less pressure and get deeper,
0: I think that's, a, that's yeah. an unbelievable result. You're right, and for the athlete who's constantly training, yeah. competing, training, competing, yeah. constantly in that sympathetic nervous system zone, yeah. take the sensory input out yeah. of the picture, they've got nothing to distract them. No. They have to go to the parasympathetic. the, the,
1: the, the um, the cyclist is the classic example. They, they train so often and so hard and at their peak that when they come to get a massage, they're, they're pretty much hypersensitive and there's, you just can't go deep enough without them flinching. Mm. And so I've convinced the majority of them to have a float before massage. Yep. And it just relaxes them. And then they get on the table and they find that they're so relaxed and the pressure I apply is so... You know, probably half of what I would need to do to get the same result right. and they literally fall asleep. And they get yeah. off the table and they're just like, wow, this is unbelievable. Gotcha. So then it's a combination over the period of their training, whether they're in a real heavy phase, they'll come in and do float hand massage, mm-hmm. or sometimes they might get a float early in the week and then a massage later in the week and then if, you know just, Mix and match. Mm. Um, yeah, I find it's unbelievable. And even with the sauna, the same thing. Yep. You know, they'll just come in here. Um, one of the cyclists was using it as a heat acclimation, but I found yep. that um, you know, just to get in the warm environment just helps relieve the muscle tension. Mm. Um, again, sometimes they're just so sensitive that you can't do the work you need to do. You can't put your hands on them and they just, they just tense
0: up. So mm. give them something else that then they can. Yeah, come back the next day. Makes a lot of sense. Now it's a great combination. I think that the idea of recovery is is the other side of of therapy. We're always thinking about training and getting stronger, and then you know using massage maybe as a way to get them back to the gym faster, which is what recovery is. Yeah. But there's so much more to it than what you can just do with your hands. Yeah. And that's what you've essentially built here, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Well, that's that's what I'm trying to build. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, really lucky to work with some elite athletes and and. Learned what they've done to be at the top of their game yeah let
0: talk for a second about you've worked with elite uh soccer football cycling Have i missed any? no they're the main three main three yeah in the in the relatively short period of time that you've been in the industry relatively um you got into some fairly high level uh or high standard um, athletic organizations relatively quickly within your career firstly how did you do that for the people who want to do that and secondly what are some of the things that you're seeing people do in those roles that mean they don't last long? Because I'm sure you've seen people come into a club, be there for five and a half <laughs> seconds, and then they're gone again, yet you're still there. So you're doing something yeah, right. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm there in some and not in others. So the so, answer on both sides. Of okay. <laughs> so how, let's start with one.
0: So, how did you get into those roles initially, being so newish okay, in the so, industry? Um, first job with an elite sports club. Um,
1: is, was within SA level so VFL yep. um, West Adelaide that was a paid role but um, a lot of volunteering as well yep. so I went there predominantly as a massage therapist found that there was a need for a sports trainer mm-hmm. and so um, through the uni got my sports trainers qualification as well and then started volunteering as a sports trainer only to then uh, spend more time with the players then they gain my trust that they would come and get more massage So it was a bit of a you're paying me to massage I'll mm-hmm. do the sports training for free, but I'm going to convince you that more you've got knee pains Blah blah blah. Yeah, come and get a massage and we'll see what we can do. So it was twofold by doing that um, Probably got a, a reasonable reputation as sort of work ethic and result yep. and got a recommendation by one of the players um who his brother was playing at Port Adelaide mm-hmm. and sort of got some work there. And then same, same thing, just um, volunteered more time for the sports training, or just so I could be in the environment and then um, got to talk to the physios and the doctors and then got some knowledge and was able to ask questions that they thought weren't stupid. Mm-hmm. And at least I could um, communicate to those guys. As a, as a new massage therapist, and there's so many of them, they come in with bright eyes and just, it's not that they ask dumb questions. If they ask too many simple questions. um, It doesn't reflect well. No, it doesn't. It doesn't reflect well and they they sort of get brushed off. So if you can, if you have some knowledge to go into that environment to ask a pertinent question, then, then the people think, oh, well, he's serious. And I think the other thing too was, I was studying at uni, so they thought, well, he's not just another massage therapist coming out and want to massage, he wants to make a career of this. So so from working with um, Port Adelaide, just through contacts within that, um, Mm -hmm. an opportunity um, arose working with Cycling Australia, and that was, uh, to start with, just to fill in, to help out. And so I did that, and Mm -hmm. there was some, again, volunteering just with track meets and races and stuff like that. saw an opportunity to do sort of more work as a, as a massage therapist. But within the cycling community, it's sort of a, a soignee role, and soignee is a French word for mother, I think. Mm. And basically, so you become the massage therapist and the team sort of whatever else. Yeah. Um, so I started to learn that role, worked with them, uh, got a full-time contract in the start of 2016. For six months leading up to the Rio Olympics to help with the influx of riders in okay. the training camps, yep. and that turned into an 18-month contract. Um, probably my lack of Swanier skill, not my massage skill, and possibly my um, ability to annoy some people by
0: asking questions, <laughs> um, yeah. led to my challenging the yeah the motorcycle yeah opera, or ch- challenging the status quo. I should yeah. say. so I, I always yeah. it's
1: always interesting working in elite sports. Um, the I gave this some thought the other day. What the coach and the athlete want is not necessarily what the club or the organization want or can afford. Sure.
0: So there's a, a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. you the way that you've gotten to where you've gotten in those organizations is exactly my thesis on everything to do with business and life, which is make yourself the most valuable person yeah. in the environment or yeah. as valuable as you can. Build connections and let those connections with, let the people put you in the position. So many people think, I get qualified and I look for a job opportunity and I apply for the job. You didn't do that. You found an opportunity to get in there. You continue to make yourself more valuable and demonstrate that value. And then through other people that already, that saw you in those roles, their recommendations fostered more and more and more opportunities for you. The the thing I find that as a massage therapist working in elite sport,
1: there's not, I don't think there's one organization in the country that hires a full-time massage therapist do 35-40 hours. As a, there's, few, there's a few, but not many. Not many, yep. So, and here in Adelaide there would be zero. So yep. if you work in a in a, an elite sporting environment, you need to be almost a jack of all trades. So mm. you need to have other skills. So um, in the role with cycling, I was probably massaging 15 to 20 hours. So as a full-time employee, I needed to have other skills to fill in the rest of my, my sure. working week. Um, that's the challenge.
0: Mm. And would you say that a massage therapist or any kind of you know, physical therapist in an elite sporting club also needs to be willing to work for very little money? Absolutely. Yeah. To start with. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's very few highly paid sports medicine people in any kind of level of sport. I think AFL probably pay the best.
1: AFL, but then there's a, there's a big difference between the top and the bottom in that organisation. So right. if you go within the medical department, like your doctor and head physio are getting lots. Yep. Um, probably your senior strength and conditioning, and then the people underneath them are probably on average, if not less than average wages, for the
0: hours that they put in. Of course. I've seen some terrible hours yeah. to, to wage ratios that yeah. you just think, why would you do it? But they're doing it for a strategic reason in a lot yeah. of cases. The clubs know that there's enough therapists out there that yeah. they can say, come and work for us for you know, $3 yeah. a year, and they'll get people. Yeah. Um, because they know that the value of that exposure can yeah. turn into something more profitable yeah. later on. And for no, you, de- for this this place wouldn't exist, no doubt,
1: no. if you hadn't had those opportunities. No, no. If, I, if I if I had my time again, I would, donate, I would volunteer my time as I, as I have and yep. wouldn't think anything of it. Right. It's at a point where, at what point do you stop volunteering or do you expect to get remunerated? Mm-hmm. There, there's the challenge. If you yep. continually give stuff away too much too early, yep. it's a challenge to go up. So I found that difficult. Um, and I still probably discount my elite athletes more than I should. Mm -hmm. But I do that because I like what I get out of it. They've almost become friends more than clients, and um, I can pick their brains on different things and different things that they're still trying and how they treat themselves away from me. Helps you develop. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. I I can develop, um, and if I hadn't worked in those environments, I wouldn't have come across the float tank. The, the, the infrared uh, technology and different techniques of training mm. so yeah you know, I sometimes think of if I give a, an elite athlete a discount or a free massage i'm getting as
0: much out of it as you know the eighty dollars that I've donated exactly and it's the same reason that people will do sponsorship of athletes yep. that that athlete isn't necessarily going to bring in a lot of money for them but the, that athlete talking about you yep. can potentially yep. bring a lot of money to you so it's it's another form of a volunteer, yeah, is
1: it? I I probably do that badly. I, people keep telling me you should tell everybody who you massage, and I'm like, yeah, but that's why they come. Cause right. right. <laughs> Let them tell everybody. Yeah. You don't have to do it for them. I don't. I mm. don't. A couple i have taken photos and get yeah. a little bit. You you would be aware of this. I took some photos when I first opened up here, and and then they dried up because I was embarrassed to ask. And if if they if they volunteer, they do. Yeah. If they don't, I don't care. Yeah. As long as they keep coming back.
0: That's right. No. I think um, the approach you've taken makes a lot of sense to me. Um, if you were to give some advice to up and coming remedial therapist, massage therapist, myotherapist, whatever, physio, that wants to work in uh, an elite sporting club in a similar fa- and get, get, get to something like this, where that feeds the rest of their career, builds a, a reputation and a name for them, what are the key things that you've done that have worked well for you, and what things would you suggest they don't do? Um, I think
1: volunteer as much as you can in your initial as much as you can afford to yeah as much as you can afford to in your first year Mm -hmm. Um, in any sort of professional uh, elite sporting club that you have access to not only the the athlete but to the to the physios and the doctors so if you can get to talk to them they're going to teach you a little bit more Um, try and work in um, different locations because you'll learn from those environments yep Um, if you can find a a location that is going to pay you per hour for being there, that's great, because that's going to give you some money. Mm -hmm. And then try and find another location that's going to pay you more for the treatments that you do. Um, And then... To support yourself on the other side of that, yeah. So when I first started working, I was working at a chiropractic clinic, and they'll pay me $25 an hour whether I treated someone or didn't. I thought, well, okay, it's a four-hour shift, I'm getting $100. I quickly realised that... You know, I only had to do one and a half massages elsewhere mm-hmm. to get that, but I thought, well, I'm guaranteed this money, so I've got, I only did the two shifts, so that was $200 a week that I was guaranteed. Yep. Then I worked at another location that was uh, three three hour shifts, and I was getting you know, a, a percentage split, so it was 60-40, mm-hmm. um, and out of that I was earning sort of $300, $400 a week, um, but it was not every week because it was only paid per massage. Um, got to work at the sporting clubs that was paid per hour so i sort of over the week and probably the biggest mistake i find that from new therapists is that they won't travel far enough or they won't work on the weekends and if you want to work in elite sport you're going to have to work when you think sport happens <laughs> you're going to have to work later than five o'clock yes. and you're going to have to work on the weekends yeah. so i've pretty much and it's probably whether it's ingrained I've come from a farming family so you work seven days a week so if someone I've got a client tomorrow morning at nine o'clock yep tomorrow's Sunday yep um, and then I've got soccer tomorrow afternoon so mm-hmm. there's my Sunday gone and Sunday Monday I'm back at soccer you know 7 30 then I've got clients yep I've got a gap in the day and then I've got my next client at four o'clock yep and don't finish till seven o'clock so it's just a I sort of look at it as a, a monetary thing. What do I need to do to earn X amount yep. for the week? And that's how I approached it right from the word go, okay? Um, got my first paying job and it was rubbish. I could earn more money stacking shelves, but I thought, well, I need to get my hands on bodies. Yeah, And this chiropractor supplied me four bodies to work on for every shift that I worked there. Right, And different ages, which was which was great. Yeah. Um, the sporting environment was pretty much the same um, people I worked on, and I found that great because I could treat them and then ask them straight away the next day. Track progress. Did, did it work? Mm. How did you feel? What can I do better? Mm. Um, if I didn't understand something, I could go to the doctor, the physio, and just say, "Okay, I've never seen this before. What is it?" So, I think that was the the quick progression within my career. I was able to work in environments that. I put my hands on bodies a lot yep. and in some locations, the same people. So I could track the progress and had uh, access to some really good, um, you know, physios and doctors that I could question.
0: Yeah. Th- I'm seeing for your story, at least from my perspective, your advantage has been that you've been willing to do things that other people weren't willing to do. You're willing to, and you're seeing a positive in those things. Yep. You're saying, oh, I'm not getting much money for this particular job, but they're giving me a variety of, of people. That's good experience. Um, I'm not getting paid that well for this over here, but I'm seeing the same people, and i was tracking the progress. Yeah. And there's advantages and disadvantages yes. and everything, like you said. Yeah. You were willing to have many fingers and many pies to support you as you develop yourself. The, the,
1: the advice from from um, from Pat was when I was studying, um, you know, your five year plan. Get your hands on as many people as you can in your first year. Try and survive, and then narrow your focus. Yeah, and I've started to narrow my focus. Um, I know. Uh, hopefully, what I'm good at. Yep. I'm still learning a lot about what I, the area that I'd like to focus on, mm-hmm. and I'm learning in that really environment. So, and I'm still finding that working with the elite athlete, um, you have the the differences in injuries, yep. and so they go off and get the specialist treatments, and I'm able to learn from that. Mm-hmm. So then, if I come across that in my private practice, I've got okay, well, I know what I can do as a therapist, or I know who to
0: refer to, and that's yep. another bonus. Yeah, I always, I hear this a lot from people who have been working in elite sport for a long time is they'll, they get, they'll reach a certain point where they feel like they're being used by the club. Ah, oh. And I think there's a reason for that. I think because people will stay in a role where like any, anyone that goes to work in elite sport, there's a, there's a give and a take. You're giving your time, possibly less than you're worth, possibly. They're giving you exposure and experience and the environment and all those things that come with it in exchange for that. I think anyone who reaches a point where they feel like they're they're giving more than they're getting in return just means they've outstayed their welcome, or they've their cup is full. They're not seeing any more positive for them.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. So I've not reached that yet in the environments I've worked at. I've always looked at it as um, there's still more to learn. Mm. So um, who best, who better to
0: learn from than than the elite athlete that's lived it and breeds it every day. Well, they're a high-performance machine. Yeah. You want to so, be a mechanic and fix old cars or you want to fix race cars? So, at
1: that level, they if they if something's not working, they get sent to the best within the industry and and then I can have a discussion with them as to what, worked, what didn't work and what yeah. can I do as part of that treatment plan. So, yeah, I've not yet come to a,
0: a point in any of the elite programs that I've worked at that I thought mm. I was being used but that's a mindset thing for you. I'm yeah. sure you've had other massage therapists join you in those roles and they've reached a point where they go, oh, I'm not getting anything out of this, and they've left. Yeah. You're still there and you've been there longer. It's not yeah. that they were smarter than you, it's your mental approach to that situation is yeah. different than theirs.
1: It's probably because I'm not smarter than them so I like to ask more questions. <laughs> and I think I've got so much more to learn. <laughs> okay, that, that, that's that, a really good place to be.
0: <laughs> what do they say, if you're the smartest person in the wrong room, smartest person in the room, find a different <laughs> okay, room. But yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's good. I, I, I love this story. It's great. I think you've done really well, and uh, we've been talking off camera a little bit about plans and things you want to go and You've got so many ideas in your head, and I think that's great because it keeps your options open. You're obviously yeah. a, 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 a... You look for the positive in things, yeah. and there's opportunities that come out of the positive yeah. in things.
1: Yeah. No, look, I mean, if you don't love what you do, don't do it. So I'm, I love what I do. I love working with the people that I that I, that I get to treat. I love the when they come in and they say they've got no hope and and hopefully i give them some and then they go off and either go off and continue to train or at least um, walk out with a positive mindset and then they they think well life's not that bad yes um i can give them some examples of elite athletes that their career was cut short within a half an hour training session so you know in that uh, discussion when they come in and tell me they've had a yeah, you know, I keep working a bad day, I've got a sore back. Mm-hmm. And then I tell them about the people that have crashed and died or- That was the end of it for them. That. that was the end of it. They think, well, that's not too bad. Yeah, give me context. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I love what I do. It's, um, yeah, just want to continue to do it and hopefully keep working with people that can uh, teach me. Absolutely, that's great. Thank you,
0: Colin, for your time. No worries. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for watching, guys, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey guys, thanks so much for giving us your time. We really hope you enjoyed that. Please give us a rating. If you liked what you heard, let us know. If you didn't like what you heard, let us know as well. Your feedback is important. Thank you and we'll catch you on the next one.